And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the astonishing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Lucille Ball stars as Liz Cooper on My Favorite Husband from 1949. But first, we're going to listen to part two, the conclusion of Mark Cabanis interviewing David Selby of Dark Shadows. Speaking of the part of Quentin, obviously, to be specific about one particular episode, I can't resist uh, bringing this up. In the episode, the theme that was first introduced, the musical theme, um, you know, it was uh, one of the aspects of that. Your character was the song Shadows of the Night, also known as Quentin's theme, which yes. first emitted yes. first emitted from a gramophone in the show as you spoke the words to the song. Now, yes. what what the the listeners might not know, and some will, is that song and your uh, rendering of it hit the Billboard charts, became a best selling single, and published sheet music. Those of us who had that record did the LP. I mean that that became a bestseller as well. The soundtrack from yeah. Dark Shadows. Yes, it did. I remember going down and recording it. Oh, our dear composer. Robert Colbert. Bob, Bob Colbert. Colbert. Bob Colbert. And Bob, I can't tell you how his music, Mark, was responsible for a lot of the success of that show. His music. And uh, I still believe that today. I mean, it, it, it was wonderful. And Bob was wonderful. Well, that was actually one of my questions, David. Was, was he probably did a lot of his work away from the set? But I'm sure you you obviously got to meet him and and that kind of thing. Oh, I spent a lot of time with Bob Cover. That is cool. And now we're we're coming down the home stretch on the interview, David. But just a few final questions. Speaking of the cast that you referenced, you know, Grayson Hall and Laura Parker, Denise Nickerson, uh, who was one of the children, and yes, and David Hennessy. Um, but also, let's talk just a moment about Jonathan Frid and what was it like working with Jonathan? Jonathan was. What can I say? We never had anything but good and kind words between us. Never did we have a disagreement. We always looked to each other. And Jonathan and I'd come in and Jonathan say, how did you memorize all of that? (laughs) (laughs) But we had, we just had a wonderful working relationship. Wonderful. I mean, in the sense that Jonathan was a Shakespearean actor. You yes. know, he went to Yale drama. I mean, a Canadian. He was just absolutely a very special man. And seemed we like had a, a lot of good times together. Oh, I'm sure he seemed like a gentle soul. 
Yeah. And so, a final thing about Dark Shadows, David, it seems to have no end. With fan festivals, audio versions, the Johnny Depp film, and more, who would have thought the show would still be a part of our world decades after its premiere? To what do you attribute that longevity and fascination and, and just fan uh, devotion and appreciation to the show? Oh, my goodness, uh, Mark. You know, the people that created the show, this goes back to Dan, who had the idea and fought hard for it. And you go back to the writers, Gordon, uh, Sam Hall, and so many, uh, the directors on the show. Oh, God, so many. Henry and and uh, Gloria, uh, so many. All of the actors that they cast on the show, you know, they all New York actors at that time. What I mean was, they'd all come, they'd all started out as theater actors. Mm-hmm. And they ended up in New York at those in those days. To, to act on the stage. So they were all truly, they just loved the uh, theater. And Dark Shadows was theater. It, uh, <laughs> sometimes I think, you know, it was larger than life. A very special show. And everybody from uh, the costumer to uh, my makeup man, um, just so many reasons that why the show Everyone that took part in that show, the lighting designer, my God, he was wonderful. The set designer, you think about the person who created the sets and uh, it it was the costumers, the costume people. Uh, It was very special. Well, I don't know what to say, except I shall ever be thankful, not only uh, to all of the fans who tuned in and continued to watch, comment, write, talk about it. But all of those people that took such good care of me. I don't think that's ever, probably never will happen on a daytime drama. I can't imagine uh, with that subject matter of kind of the, you know, the, the gothic horror slash romance. Uh, it, it was such a, a an interesting creative mix. Uh, I don't think it'll ever be equaled again. And so uh, so to hear your take on it, David, is wonderful. Well, I don't want to leave out, you know, all of my fellow actors, you know, from Nancy Barrett to Kate, to so many um, that I worked with, uh, you know, and, and the ones who who got that show off the ground before Quentin ever appeared. That's what to be thankful for, you know. David, if I may, I will just say uh, as we keep keep rolling here. Um, you know, uh, everyone who knows your career and is aware of, of your many roles through the years, although Dark Shadows is one of those once-in-a-lifetime roles for Quentin, yeah. uh, you are not a, not a one-trick pony. You went on to, you went on, you've gone on to have many more successful roles, such as your role on Falcon Crest lasted for eight years. That's a long time in TV land for any show to last. If we can close with one more question, David, what new projects are you cooking up these days? I just finished a film couple weeks ago or whatever there you know it's being edited and put together it's a very low budget film <laughs> but it, it it's made by it's a young filmmaker i don't know i just i just wanted to work with him i've now done a couple of things uh, a few things with him he is writing another project for me as we speak uh, 
that's one of the things I'm doing. And I'm also two-thirds of the way through a new book. <laughs> wow, that's great. Well, David, listen, thank you so much for your time with us on Hollywood 360. You're an amazing talent and a true Renaissance man, and we thank you for sharing your gifts with the world and look forward to your next creative projects. Well, I bless you, and I thank everybody, whoever tuned in to give me a couple of moments of their precious time. Believe me. Thank you again, David. And this is Mark Cabanis with David Selby in Hollywood for Hollywood 360. Great job, Mark. Appreciate that. Thank you, Carl. uh, What a great talent. And I just, I'll never forget watching Dark Shadows as a kid. Mm -hmm. And now you can get the whole DVD set. MPI Home Video puts it out. And I think you could stream it on television as well. I mean, you could watch it again today. Absolutely. It's it's still timeless. And you can watch the sets fall over as they... (laughs) Kick the sets on an accident, and oh man, just live television, you know? Exactly. All right, uh, more of Hollywood 360 when we come back. It's My Favorite Husband with Lucille Ball. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Don't forget, if you're in an area across the country that uh, has a radio station that doesn't carry the full five-hour show, well, we have a solution. It's called our Hollywood 360 podcast. We will send you this show, the full five-hour show. You won't miss any of the radio shows we're playing. None of the banner, none of the celebrity guests, none of the... Uh, contests, and, of course, these original radio shows. You'll never miss it. You'll also never miss our Radio Rarities podcast when you are a podcast subscriber. So to subscribe to Hollywood 360 and have it emailed to you every Monday in a link that never expires, go to Hollywood360radio.com, Hollywood360radio.com, or speak to a live operator. A live operator will sign you up, 815 815- 900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. All right. Uh, my favorite husband, one of my favorites, and I know it's Lisa's favorite, radio it show. Sure is. This was Lucille Ball's only radio series, Mark. You know, she was on all kinds of shows, but this was the only regular radio series she had. And when CBS came to her and said, hey, we want to put you on television... She basically reworked this show mm-hmm. and brought it to television with Desi Arnaz exactly. in I Love Lucy. So what you're about to hear really is like the earliest incarnation of I Love Lucy. This is a broadcast from October 7th, 1949. Liz and George and the Atterberries go out to dinner together and try to out-fumble each other for the check. Here's part one of My Favorite Husband. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. 
tapioca puddings, yes sirree. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper, two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers, it's morning. Katie, the maid, is singing in the kitchen as Liz Cooper enters. Some enchanted evening, you will meet a stranger. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Mrs. Cooper. Across a crowded room. Well, what makes you so happy across an empty kitchen? Oh, Mr. Negley, the mailman, was just here. <laughs> Katie, have you been playing post office? No, but I had been giving them a cup of coffee every morning. Oh, I wondered why we've been getting our mail before anyone else in the neighborhood. He must like the way you percolate. <laughs> oh, I don't percolate for him. He's a Silex man. Oh. Oh, that's three kinds of coffee I have to make every morning. I'm an old-fashioned boil drinker. He's Silex, and you and Mr. Cooper are drips. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot Oh, well, I, I didn't mean it like that, Mrs. Cooper I know Say, was there anything interesting in the mail? Oh, the mail Where did you put it? Where is it? Where is it? Please, let, let go of my apron You're choking me It's on the table by Mr. Cooper's plate Oh, there should be a bill there for Miller's department store I have to get it out before George sees it Hey, how come the mail's so early? Too late Cross your fingers, Katie. Maybe it isn't in today's mail. Oh, my goodness, what's on the bill that's so important? Oh, a little velveteen suit I couldn't resist and shouldn't have bought and finally did and wish I hadn't. <laughs> oh, I'll bet it didn't even come this morning. Liz? Want to give any odds? <laughs> May I see you a moment, Elizabeth? My full name. Oh, he's really ripping. Start a roaring fire, Katie. He'll want to heat up a few pokers. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, good morning, George. How's my little husband this morning? Hmm? Liz, do you have any idea what the mailman brought this morning? The mail? No. A bill from Miller's department store for $98. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure you have a reasonable explanation for this. I have. Liz, we talked this over last month And you promised you'd never charge anything again Without asking me, didn't you? Yes, George Well? Let's face it, George I'm rotten through and through Now, Liz, you can't kid your way out of this Oh, I don't mean to buy those things, George I just go in to browse And some sneaky little clerk Catches me with my charger plate down Back it goes, Liz Back like the coat last month And the two hats the month before that And the blouse before that Oh, George, don't make me take anything else back to Miller's Do you know what they call me down there? Mrs. George Retriever <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, Liz Maybe someday we can afford those extra luxuries But right now we've got to cut corners Well, it's not my spending that's the trouble It's your salary I think Hold the it, I know just what you're going to say George, I think you should ask for a raise I certainly do What's the matter with Mr. Atterbury, anyway? You've been with the bank ten years, and you haven't got a thing to show for it. I have, too. Don't forget my ten-year pin. 
Well, pretty soon you'll have to use it to hold your 10 years' trousers together. <laughs> You're afraid to ask him for a raise. I am not. You are, too. Georgie is a sissy. Georgie is a sissy. All right. Now, look, if it'll make you feel any better, I gave Mr. Atterbury a very strong hint yesterday. Really? Did you really, George? I certainly did. We were having lunch, and Mr. Atterbury said... George, it's getting hard for a man to make both ends meet these days. Oh, what an opening. And what did you say? I said, it sure is. <laughs> That's all? Yes. He didn't get upset by your strong language, did he? Well, he... George, you've got to speak plainer. Come right out and ask him for a raise. Well, things like that just aren't done down at the bank. Then do it away from the bank. Ask him tonight at dinner. We're eating out with the Atterbury's, you know. I won't talk business at dinner. All right, if you won't, I will. Oh, no, you don't. Don't worry, George. I'll bring it up subtly. Yeah, I know you're subtly. Good evening, Mr. Atterbury. Sorry we're late, and why don't you give George a raise? <laughs> All right, George. I won't say anything if you'll promise me one thing. What? For heaven's sake, don't pay the check. No wonder he thinks you don't need more money. You always pick up the check when the four of us go out to dinner. I do not. You do, too. Although I'll admit it isn't your fault. Mr. Atterbury can outfumble anyone. Oh, now, now, that isn't fair. He pays as often as I do. Oh, sure. You pick up the check for dinner and dancing at the Biltmore, and then when we're at the ball game having peanuts, he says, It's my turn, boy. <laughs> You're exaggerating. Use your eyes, George. Every time the check comes, he's looking down, studying his fingers. You'd think he just discovered a uranium under his nails. Now that you mention it, he has done that a couple of times. Sure. You don't have a chance between his fingernails and that trick fork of his. Trick fork? You've seen it. The minute the waiter brings the bill, Mr. Atterbury's fork jumps under the table, and he drops out of sight to look for it. Say, that happened just the other night, didn't it? You know it did. The zipper got stuck in your wallet, and Mr. Atterbury had to stay under the table 45 minutes. <laughs> Golly, Liz, I think you've hit on something there. Why, that big tightwad. Then you'll make him pay the bill tonight. You're darn right, I will. And as long as we're sticking Atterbury with it, let's stick him good. Oh, you mean order everything expensive? Everything we order is going to be either a la carte, imported, or out of season. Oh, good. I think I'll have caviar smothered in caviar. <laughs> I could just see Atterbury's face when he gets the bill. <laughs> yeah, make the waiter crawl under the table and hand it to him. Yeah. And remember, George, now don't weaken him. I won't, even if we have to sit and drink water until he gets the idea. Yeah, and if I know him, when we walk out of there, we'll squish. <laughs> wonder what's keeping Liz and George. What time is it, Iris girl? Oh, it's just seven, Rudolph. We're early. Oh. You know, George has been acting funny lately. I think he'd like to ask me for a raise, but he hasn't got the nerve. <laughs> well, I'm surprised he hasn't asked you. You'd think the bank was making a million dollars the way you throw your money away. Me? Throw money away? What are you talking about, Lotus Bud? <laughs> Well, for one thing, every time we go to dinner with Liz and George, you pick up the check. Oh, I wouldn't say every time. I would. Although I'll admit it isn't your fault. George Cooper can outfumble anyone. Well, now, that isn't fair, Iris. He pays as often as I do. Sure. 
You buy box seats to the symphony, and he pays the tax on free passes to the circus. <laughs> well, that doesn't happen all the time. To say nothing of his two wallets. One, he has the zipper welded together. <laughs> and the other one is made out of a magic carpet. As soon as the check appears, it shifts to another suit at home. Well, now that you mention it, that does happen pretty often. And if those don't work, he goes to make a phone call. <laughs> well, tonight I think I'll just teach that young scamp a lesson. <laughs> Are you going to outweigh him? You bet I am. George pays the bill for this meal. And as long as we're going to stick him, let's stick him good. You mean order everything expensive? Yeah. Ooh, what fun! <laughs> you know, you heard that's Gail Gordon right there, right? Gail Gordon worked with Lucille Ball for so many years. He was Mr. Mooney mm-hmm. on on her television series. And then, of course, that that voice there of the gal is B. Benaderet. She was um, Betty Rubble. Of course, and also Petticoat Junction. She was the the mom on Petticoat Junction, and then, uh, many other things as well. Right. But you recognize both those voices, right, Mark? Absolutely, I'd love them both. You know, Gail Gordon was the master of the slow burn. Oh yeah, with Lucy, sure. You know? and, and and her daughter Lucy Arnaz was quoted as saying, "Gail was like a tonic to Lucy. He just calmed her. Really, and she loved him. She was such he was such a steadying influence on her." She said. Yeah. Wow. The greats. That's what we play here. The greats. You hear all the great, you know, stars from the golden age of radio and TV and movies right here on Hollywood 360. Thanks for listening, of course. And we'll have more of My Favorite Husband after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. With a 65-year legacy of delivering the most insightful political commentary in America, National Review is the obvious choice for discerning conservatives who want to go beyond the headlines. From the latest news in Washington and the upcoming Republican primary race to the political cultural and economic trends impacting everyday Americans. Their hard-hitting analysis is a must-add to your daily reading diet. 
We love NR and are excited to have them as a partner because their writers and editors really do dive deeper into the stories than you'll find anywhere else. No talking heads, no clickbait, and none of the sensational coverage you see everywhere else. Hollywood 360 listeners can start reading today with a special 60% discount on any subscription option. You should try out their digital membership, NR+, which includes unlimited access to all their premium content, plus a world of membership perks like monthly calls with movement leaders and commenting privileges on the website. Just go to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood to take advantage of this limited time offer. 60% off, Lisa. Go to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. Mark Cabanis is here, and before we get back to my favorite husband, Mark, I want to just really quickly remind our listeners about your brand new book. This is your what, second or third book you've written? It's my third. Third book. What are the other two? The first one was called Confessions of a Shameless Name Dropper, uh-huh. where I kind of wove my career journey around the stories of the celebrities I've been blessed to work with over the years, Bob yeah. Barker, Andy Griffith. Dick Clark, Sherwood Schwartz, and many others. And then the second was a music business book called Music Business Essentials, because I'm in the music business, and then now this new one. This new one is called Miracle of the Music Man, the classic American story of Meredith Wilson. And we've been really celebrating your book and Meredith uh, Meredith Wilson's life here, this, uh, this Hollywood 360 edition. Um, you can get the book at Amazon. You can listen to Mark reading the book at Audible. And uh, the great Rupert Holmes does your forward. Yes. That's pretty cool. I will thank you. And if, if listen, if someone, if you really want to know, a, 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 read a story about an underdog who overcomes great odds, hence the miracle title, the miraculous title, this is the book I think you'll really enjoy. You don't have to be into musical theater necessarily. Uh, Meredith is, was so funny and hilarious, and, and so much of him is in this book. Yeah. You know, and so if you like the story of overcoming an underdog really triumphing, that is what, and this show triumphing out of, against substantial odds that it would succeed, that is this book. Well, it's a great book, and I love the photographs, too. Really, really cool. All right. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Make sure you check it out. Miracle of the Music Man, the classic American story of Meredith Wilson at Amazon and also Audible if you want to hear the, uh, the audio book. We're listening to My Favorite Husband with Lucille Ball. Here's the conclusion. Here, here they come. Remember, the sky's the limit. Yoo-hoo, George boy, Liz girl, here we are. Hello, Iris, Mr. Atterbury. Oh, Liz girl, George boy. Hi, everybody. Well, sit down, sit down. Oh, my, I'm starved. I feel like eating something extra special tonight. Yes, me too. <laughs> Get the waiter, Rudolph, let's not waste any time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, waiter? Yes, sir? Uh, we'd like to order, please. Very well. Uh, why don't we start off with some champagne? Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, okay by me. That's a fine idea. Uh, Then you want a bottle of champagne? Yes, bring a bottle for each of us (laughs) Which would you like, domestic or imported? Imported Are you sure you haven't had enough to drink already? No, no, no Sober as judges. 
Uh, what else will you have, Liz? Uh, I think I'll have a porterhouse steak. Yeah, one porterhouse steak. As an appetizer. <laughs> As an appetizer? Mm. Uh, I'd like a double lobster thermidor. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that sounds good. I think I'll have that, too. Instead of the steak? No, just pour it over the steak. <laughs> I'll have beef stroganoff. I'd like a filet mignon with wild rice and an anchovy salad. Yes, sir. Oh, and some artichokes and drawn butter. And some water chestnuts and bamboo shoots. And bring a side order of pheasant under glass. <laughs> Ooh, what a bunch of spenders. <laughs> oh, and for dessert, crepe Suzette and cherries Jubilee and a baked Alaska. Uh, waiter... Waiter, what's the matter? What are you dreaming about? Oh, if I was only working on commission, I could retire. <laughs> and now let's see, who ordered the Fitz shampoo? What? <laughs> oh, oh, that's French champagne. I'm so excited I can't read my own writing. <laughs> That was a delicious dinner. Oh, I'm so full I can't move. I'll bet I've gained five pounds. <laughs> how about some after-dinner mints? Oh, we've had some. Well, how about some after-after-dinner mints, mints? Well, shall we settle up the check? Will it be cash or do you want to finance it? <laughs> well, come, come, gentlemen. Which one of you is the host? You have just heard a solo by Rudolph Atterbury on his magic fork. Pardon me, I'll pick it up. Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it. George, just wait him out. Yeah, what's he doing under there? Stripping down to his money belt? Funny, I can't seem to find my fork anyplace. Hey, look, here's the check. Will someone pay it so I can go home? I'll pay it. George. Yes, sir, I'll take care of that little old check. Well, what do you know? I found my fork. That was quick. Hey, here you are, sir. Oh, now, isn't that the limit? What's the matter, George? I left my wallet in my other suit. Oh, that's too bad. Well, well. that's liable to happen. <laughs> There goes my knife. Hey, let me get it this but time. I can Here. Get... Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey, look, I'll make it easy for both of you. Let me decide which one pays. One potato, two potato, three potato, four, five potato, six potato, seven potato, more. My mother told me to take you. Ah, that's you, George. I demand a recount. Uh, I just remembered I have to make a phone call. I, I don't think you will. I'll be right... Who tripped me? Nobody. Mr. Atterbury tied your shoelaces together. <laughs> um, what dropped out of your pocket when you fell, George boy? Looks like your wallet. Yeah, we're dead. Well, give me the check, waiter. 
George, you'd better hit him for that raise right now. We'll need it to pay for this meal. Oh, Liz, not now. Now keep quiet. You won't ask him? No. Uh, waiter, will you bring me a paper bag to put the leftovers in? <laughs> Certainly. For your dog? No, for us. We won't eat again for a long, long time. Liz has finally convinced George that he must ask Mr. Atterbury for a raise. She's been giving him pep talks all morning. And right now, she's having final inspection. There, now let me look at you. Your suit's pressed, your pants have a nice crease, you're wearing your sincere tie, you have a clean white handkerchief in your pocket. Now, what are you going to say to him? Mr. Atterbury, will you marry me? <laughs> oh, George. Now, what are you going to say? Let's rehearse it. I'm Mr. Atterbury. Go ahead, boy. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Atterbury, I, I don't want you to grant me special privileges. I... I realize this is a bad time to ask, but... Uh, oh, for heaven's sake, speak with authority like this. Mr. Atterbury, you've stalled me long enough. I demand a raise. Mr. Atterbury, you've stalled me long enough. I demand a raise. Wonderful. Now hurry up while you're still in the mood. Mr. Atterbury, you've stalled me long enough. I demand a raise. What have you got to say about that? Mr. Atterbury, we'll see you now, Mr. Cooper. Oh, thanks, Adele. <laughs> Mr. Atterbury? Yes, Cooper boy, what is it? You've stalled me. Uh, you've stalled me. Uh, we'll step on the starter, boy. Let's get going. <laughs> well, you see... My time is valuable, Cooper. I just waited a half hour with Joe Ridgely. He had the nerve to come in here and ask for a raise. A raise? Well, what happened? Let's just say there'll be one less glass by the water cooler. <laughs> you fired him? Bluntly, yes. Now, what did you want? Must have been important. Uh, oh, yes, sir. I, uh, I, I wanted to know, uh, uh, could you lend me your key to the men's room? <laughs> I'm so mad. What's the matter? George just called and he didn't get his raise. He didn't? No, he didn't even ask for it. Oh, he's so wishy-washy. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, I would, and if he doesn't stop being wishy, I'll have to take in washy. <laughs> well, there's more than one way to skin an Atterbury. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to heckle him into giving George a raise no matter what I have to do. And I've got some real goofy ideas in my head. <laughs> Oh, George, boy, come in. I've had the most amazing morning. Your campaign manager has been very active. What do you mean? Liz has started a cold war to get you a raise. So far, I've had four anonymous phone calls. No. Yes, and three telegrams. Well, how do you know Liz sent them? Look at the signature on this one. The Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to George Coopers. <laughs> Listen to this. I think you should give my brother George Cooper a raise. Signed, Gary. Well, I'll, I'll tell her to cut it out Yes, I've had just about enough Well, come on, boy, let's go to lunch All right A rock through the window Let me see the note tied to that Here uh, Dear Mr. Atterbury 
George Cooper deserves a raise. Signed, an important depositor. P.S. Sorry, I thought the window was open. (laughs) This will be deducted from your paycheck, boy. Come on, let's go eat. Well, don't worry about Liz, Mr. Atterbury. I'm sure she won't do anything else. Oh, won't she? Do you by any chance recognize that little old lady selling apples in front of the bank? Apples! Oh, apples. no! Uh, buy an apple, mister! Liz! Apples! Buy an apple and help a starving vice president and his wife! Oh, Liz! <laughs> buy an apple, Mr. Atterbury? No, I won't buy an apple. Atterbury's bank is failing! It's failing! He can't even afford to buy an apple! Liz, take your apples and get out of here! Okay, I'm Going to find a way to treat a poor old lady. Hello? Well, you finally did it, Mrs. Genius. He fired me. He didn't. I was just getting him calmed down from the old lady bit when in walked ten kids in rags yelling, Daddy, I'm hungry. I borrowed them from Mr. Woods next door. I have to clear out of my office by 3 o'clock or he'll charge me rent. Goodbye. Goodbye. Why, that dirty bum. Mr. Cooper? No, Mr. Atterbury. He fired George. Oh, no. But what about the sky writing you ordered? Oh, I'll have to cancel it. Darn it, they were going to write, George Cooper needs a raise from one end of the town to the other. Oh, I'd like to have seen it. Oh, Katie, have I got an idea. I'm not going to cancel that skywriting. As long as George is fired, I'm going to switch it. To what? I'll tell them to... Hello? Hello, this is Mrs. George Cooper. I ordered some skywriting at three this afternoon. What? No, I didn't order. She's lovely. She's engaged. She uses ponds. You've got it all mixed up. (laughs) That's right. George Cooper needs a raise. Yeah, well, I want you to change it. Now, this is what I want you to write instead. Mr. Atterbury is a stinker in letters a mile high. Right? Goodbye. Ooh, now what are you going to do, Mrs. Cooper? Hide? Hide nothing. I'm going to go down to the bank and make sure Mr. Atterbury sees it. Well, George, it's almost three. Is your desk cleaned out? Yes, Mr. Atterbury. Well, you can take your things and put them in that large office down the hall. What do you mean? Oh, you really fell for it, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody in the office knew about your promotion but you. The board of directors voted it this morning. Promotion? You mean I'm not third vice president anymore? No, sir. From now on, you're executive third vice president. (laughs) I couldn't resist having my little joke. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I thought you fired me on account of Liz. Well, if she'd pulled one more stunt, I would have. (laughs) But that's all over. Come on, I'll buy you a drink to celebrate. Oh, boy, this is great. Well, what a break. There's Liz. You can tell her the good news. Hello, Liz, girl. Mr. Atterbury, I do not recognize your existence. Come on, George, get your things and let's leave this marble sweatshop. (laughs) Oh, Liz, that firing was all a gag. Mr. Atterbury gave me a promotion. A promotion? Oh, George, that's wonderful. Uh, Come with us, Liz, across the street. I'm buying. Well. Oh, look up there. They're starting some skywriting. (laughs) 
Ay, 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 ay. He's starting with MR. Uh, Mr. M. Oh, well, it's probably just an ad for that show, Mr. Roberts. Come on, let's go. No, 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 wait. I, I get a kick out of these things. You never know what they're going to write next. Uh, you can say that again. Now, let's see. Mr. A. T. T. Uh, Mr. Atterbury, will you tie my shoelaces? Liz, you're wearing pumps. You stay out of this. <laughs> oh, now, uh, look, look, look what he's spelling now. Mr. A. T. T. E. R. It's probably an ad for that piano player, Jose Atterby. You are why? Oh, that's my name. No, Atterbury. no, no, it isn't. Hmm? It's that soft drink, you know. Atterbury hits the spot, five full ounces, that's a lot. Liz, I'm beginning to have an awful feeling about this. You have an awful feeling. Mr. Atterbury is... Well, goodbye, George. It's nice to have known you. Lovely. Mr. Atterbury is lovely. Huh? That's what it says. Oh, Liz, this is a wonderful surprise for me. Well, it's a much better surprise for me. <laughs> Mr. Atterbury is lovely. Well, <laughs> come on, let's go get a drink. Oh, no, wait, wait. He, he's writing another one. Oh, well, that one isn't about you. I know what that's going to be. Uh, what? Uh, just an ordinary ad. She's a stinker. She's engaged. She uses pawn. <laughs> What's on your mind, Bob? The circus, Lucille. I, I went there over the weekend, and I spoke to the folks in the sideshow. Well, what did you speak to them about, she asked innocently, with the sponsor breathing down her long, thin neck. Jello. <gasps> no! I'll bet I know what happened. Come on, Bob, we'll go back to the circus. You'll be the barker, and I'll be the sideshow folks. <laughs> Step up and see the sideshow. Here we have Teeny Weeny, the world's smallest midget. My name is Teeny Weeny. I'm only two inches high. I love jello with the six delicious flavors strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Miss Weeny. And now we have Big Betsy, Big Betsy the Lady Giant, 18 feet tall. What do you got to say, Betsy? I'm really only 17 feet tall. I'm wearing elevator shoes. <laughs> well, then, tell me, Betsy, what do you like to eat? Jell-O. I like it because its goodness is locked in by a special process, so it can't get out till your first delectable spoonful. <laughs> I can't hear you because my ears are popping. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Big Betsy. Thank you. And that brings us to this next young lady. Oh, uh, how do you do? I like Jell-O, too, as it makes me think of the real ripe fruit itself. Believe me, I always look for the big red letters on the box. Yes, and thank you. What do you do in the sideshow? Oh, I don't do anything in the show. You see, I'm perfectly normal. <laughs> After the performance is over, the sideshow people gather around and look at me. 
That's all, brother. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. My favorite husband, October 7th, 1949, with Lucille Ball, along with Richard Denning, Gail Gordon, Frank Nelson, Ruth Parrott, B. Benaderet. Great cast and a great show. Time for Sarah's Backstage Pass. Hi, Carl, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Tonight, I will talk about a comedy film from Roadside Attractions starring Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Lily, Evelyn, and Jane Clare are estranged friends that reunite at the funeral of their friend. Clare holds a grudge against Howard, the widowed husband, played by Malcolm McDowell. Claire says, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to do it tonight. Evelyn, I need to talk to you. About what? I told him I was going to kill him. I could chat. It's been four and a half decades. Feels like it was yesterday. You were delusional. She told me you were cruel. So, what's the plan, Scarface? Paul Wentz, the director and writer, whom I interviewed this past Tuesday told me that Lily Tomlin called him and asked if he would write a movie for herself and Jane Fonda. I'm going to buy a gun. It was cute. Very. Want to hold it? And I'm going to take it to the wake. How's the recoil? Recoil? I'm not going to lie, it has a little kick. Well, darn it, we tried. Do you have any poison? I have a cyanide pill in case I'm captured by the enemy. You can have it. I highly recommend moving on. The cast with Lily Tallman, Jane Fonda, and Malcolm McDowell is a winning combination. You will laugh out loud one minute and, oh, start to tear up the next while viewing those serious scenes. Thanks for listening in tonight. I'm Sarah Knight-Adamson, your national film and TV critic for Sarah's Backstage Pass. Be sure to check out my interview with Paul Wentz as he talked about the sisterhood of Lily and Jane in his new film, Moving On, opening this weekend in theaters. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. This is the best in classic radio, Lisa. I think so. You know, I I take a lot of pride in the fact that we are the best in classic radio because we only play shows direct from our master recordings of these classic radio shows directly from the master transcription discs. And that's why the quality is always so darn good. And our next hour, Crime Classics from 1953, a true crime story. You won't want to miss that. And then Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for learning the lyrics. What letter are we on? We are on the letter M. On if M. you think of any song. Whose title Mama begins Mia. with the letter M. All right, we'll be right back. Hmm. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. 
please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.